When Peter wrote those words I read to you earlier, Nero was the emperor. If you know anything about Nero, he was a wicked, cruel man. In fact, he was so wicked and cruel, he set fire to parts of Rome and then blamed the Christians so that he would get the Romans against the Christians. Kind of sounds like what's going on with Hamas, right? Do you know that it was under Nero that Peter was executed? So Peter is not writing something that is disconnected from our situation we're facing today. And sometimes we forget that other, other generations had to face eerily the same similar circumstances that we're facing. Sometimes we feel isolated, like we're the only ones that's ever had to face this battle of knowing what to do in hostile world. And as Christians, as you have seen this morning, being a Christian is more than just saying I'm a Christian. Being a Christian means that you have been purchased with the blood of Christ. That you are a new creation, created in Christ Jesus, and the old things have passed away. Sometimes in Christianity, we talk about all the things we're doing wrong or not doing right, and we never emphasize the power that's available to us through Jesus Christ. I was reading this morning in the Bible reading in Jeremiah and he was warning them of all of the idols. He was warning them of all these false little G.O.D. gods. And do you know that there was a faithful remnant during that time that did not partake in idolatry? They were faithful. And just like you and I, we are the church. Yes, we all have our issues. We all stumble. We all sin from time to time. But you're here because you love Jesus. You're here because you want to be a follower of Jesus Christ. But sometimes we just don't know what we should do in this world. Things are changing rapidly. We have no clue. And Peter tells us that we can, in fact, live a Christ-honoring life in a hostile world. He knows it. He knows it. And before I get into the four ways that are four pictures of a Christ-honoring life in a hostile world, there's three prerequisites. You know what a prerequisite is, right? You've got to have it before we can go on. These three things are very consistent in the life of the believer and they're going to help us understand the four pictures in just a moment. The first prerequisite is, number one, we as believers in Jesus Christ must submit to authority. Verse number 13, Therefore submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to the king, or for the Lord's sake, whether as to the king as supreme. Let me just tell you this. Not only did Peter tell us that we're submit to authority, the Apostle Paul told us we are submit to authority in Romans chapter 13 and verse 1. He also told us in Titus 3.1 that we were to submit to authority. Jesus told us that we were to submit to authority. I don't know how in the world we got in our minds that Christianity is supposed to be one who rebels against everything. Jesus said to render under Caesar what is due to Caesar, what's Caesar, what belongs to him. And as a Christ follower, we should submit to authority. Why? Because God's a God of order. 
God has an order. He has an order in creation. He has an order in human life. He has an order in the church. He has an order in the home. He has an order in society, how things should function. And government was God's idea. And we as believers must understand that as a follower of Christ, we are to submit to authority. Now, there's one, there's one exception to the rule. When that authority goes against God's word. You just don't do it. Remember in Acts, they said, we ought to obey God rather than men. They told him, listen, we're going to let you go. They beat him and they were going to let him go. They said, but do not speak in his name. And they said, well, we ought to obey God rather than men. But I will tell you this. Has anyone in here ever got a speeding ticket? Okay. How many of you were angry when you got that speeding ticket? Any of you ever smart mouth to the officer? Shame on you, Eddie. You're the only one. You're, hey, thank you for being honest. But you know what? If, if, here's the thing. If you're driving 56 miles per hour and you get a speeding ticket, you're guilty and you deserve a speeding ticket. It's not the officer's fault. Well, preacher, I was only going 62. I understand and I feel the same way. I was pulled over in, in uh, Rubyville one time and guess who goes by? Church members. Poor Linda. She told her daughter Stephanie, Linda, she said, don't you dare tell anybody. And I said, Linda, she's fine to tell everyone. I was wrong, and I got caught, and I had to pay a fine. But here's the thing. It's not, it's not when we break the law, it's not the government's fault. Now, I don't know if you're human and you're driving down the interstate and you pass a state patrolman, even if you're going 55, you still put on your brakes, don't you? Huh? Most of us do. But we have this notion that because we're Christians, we don't have to obey the law. That because we're Christians, we get special treatment or favors. And that notion is nowhere. As a matter of fact, Jesus said, if you are compelled to go one mile, you go two. You see, the problem is the world is looking at Christianity and they see no difference in them and us because we don't respect authority. So the first prerequisite is that we must submit to authority. This is voluntarily done, but it's spiritual. Notice what he says, Therefore submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. You want to be more spiritual? You do what you're supposed to do. It's not too difficult. Do what we're supposed to do unless it's against God's word. And I will say this, the call to Christianity is a call to submission. When we, get, when we receive Jesus Christ as our Savior, we humble ourselves, we surrender ourselves, and then we submit to a life that pleases Him. It's submission. It's the Lordship of Christ. Jesus Christ is in control of our lives, and we submit. It means to bring under subjection. We bring our life under subjection to Christ and His Word because we are His. The first prerequisite is submit to authority. The second prerequisite is to do good. Look at verse 15. For this is the will of God that by doing 
good you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. What he is saying is what you do overrides what you say. What you do overrides what you say. And if we are born-again believers in Christ, we are to so let our lights shine that people may see our good works and glorify our Father who is in heaven. Now, we don't go around doing good works to be seen, but I'm telling you this, if you're doing good, they will be seen because people are watching you. The people you work with, they know you're a Christian. They're watching you. You're not perfect. And you should never live self-righteously as you are perfect. But you should live in a way that when you sin, you are very open about it and up front and say, Listen, I am confess, I messed up, man. I blew it. And I confess to God. I apologize to you. I shouldn't have talked to you the way I talked to you. And those kind of things, that means something. So another prerequisite is doing good. We are to do good because we represent our Father in heaven. That's why we do things good. The third prerequisite is do not use freedom in Christ as a cover to do evil. We should never use our freedom in Christ as a cover, he says a cloak of vice, a cover of doing evil. A cloak of maliciousness in the uh, King James. I'm reading from the New King James. But the point is that all means the same thing. It means that we should never use our freedom in Christ as a cover to do evil. I've got grace. I can do this. You can't. You shouldn't. Because our freedom is not as an occasion to the flesh to do what we want to do. Our freedom is freedom to serve Jesus Christ. So these are the three prerequisites of how we can live a Christ-honoring life in a hostile world. Now here's what it looks like. First of all, look with me down in verse 17. Honor all people. That word honor means respect all people. Now listen to me. We live in a society where respect for other humans has gone by the wayside. We can't even have a discussion with someone without it turning into a fight and without it becoming very accusatory and without it becoming very, very evil. That's where we live. But the Bible says that we are born-again believers in Christ and even in this hostile world when everything is going wrong, when nobody agrees with you and how you feel politically and how you feel spiritually and how you feel and no one agrees with you, you still should treat them with respect. Being a Christian does not give you the license to be a jerk. Let's do better than one amen. Being a Christian does not give us the license to be jerks. Thank you. I got three that time. Um, but we've got to go on for lunch sake, right? But the point I want to make is this. You know, when I grew up in independent fundamental Baptist, man, the preacher preached. And I remember people like Dr. Rawlings. Anybody remember Dr. John Rawlings? I remember we were, he had come to our church. He, he pastored Landmark Baptist Church. He was a fighter. And uh, he was older, you know, and you put those two together and they say what they want to say and because they're older, no one even questions. Amy was nine months pregnant with Kendall. 
we're having a workers banquet there's 100 people in there she gets up to go to the restroom and he stops and he says well my lands lady are you having a litter right in the middle of, so nobody would move around the church you know and but but back then and in, in, in the pen of fundamental when I grew up I remember being at like the sword conference and one of the guys being very dramatic and taking a, 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 a ball bat and smashing a television. One guy jumped up on, stood on, stood on top of the pulpit, screaming and yelling. And everybody was going crazy. He looked out in the congregation and he said, like he was talking to a woman, I don't know if he was or not, he said, you looking at me like that, huzzy, that doesn't hurt me, that inspires me, I'm not offended, I'm not... And, and everybody was, amen, and I, I felt so small. I could never imagine Jesus Christ ever doing something like that. Could you imagine Jesus at the woman at the well? Yo, huzzy? No? Some of you are going to be mad I said that. I'm just trying to make a point. I don't talk that way. But you couldn't imagine Jesus saying that. Why? Because Jesus had respect for all people. We've lost that in our churches. Just because they don't look like us and act like us doesn't mean that Jesus didn't die for them. And as a matter of fact, we stopped trying to make people like Jesus. We've started trying to make people like us. And that's where we get into trouble. That is where we get into trouble. Respect. Now listen, I know that you have that person that's opposite of you politically. Right? Whatever you are, that person is, and you all go back and forth, and you all banner each other, and you go back and forth. Listen. That has never converted anyone. As a matter of fact, I will tell you this. The only thing that's ever converted anybody is the gospel. The gospel. So don't argue. I will tell you this. I'm not a prophet, but I will tell you this. Nobody really cares what you think. And nobody cares what I think. You don't come here Sunday mornings to hear what I think. You come here to hear, thus saith the word of God. As a matter of fact, if I told you what I thought, you would agree with me, I don't like that. And I would agree with you, I don't like what I think sometimes. But here's the thing. We are so always eager and ready, and I will tell you, my flesh is as bad as anyone's, ready to vindicate ourselves and fight at the drop of a hat. What we need to do It doesn't mean you agree with it, but you respect it. The second thing he tells us to do is to love the brotherhood. He's speaking about each other. In this hostile world, we need each other. A few weeks ago, we met on a Sunday morning for Old Fashioned Sunday up at the church camp, and we had a wonderful day of fellowship. It was wonderful. We were together. And we need to do that because many of you go into the world and you're around the world all the time and you need to be around your brother and sisters in Christ. I will take it one step further. It is our responsibility to take care of each other, to love one another, to do and help for one another. You want to do something spiritual? I'll tell you what. Find one of the widows in our church and do something for her. That's pure religion right there. That's what the Bible says. We need to love one another. When someone in our church hurts, we ought to run 
to gather around that person and love that person. Has anyone ever hit their thumb with a hammer? What'd you do? Don't, don't tell me what you say it, please. Just, um, what'd you do? Immediately you grab your thumb with your other hand. You know why? Because the other members of your body was coming to the rescue. That's the analogy of the church. We are all members of this body. When one body member hurts, the others run to the rescue. And what we are doing is we are showing the world by this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have loved one for another. Not if you're tearing everybody down, ripping each other apart, and all this stuff. We cannot continue to live like this, guys. We have Jesus Christ. We need to be honoring and respecting all people. We need to be loving each other, serving each other, serving together with each other, encouraging each other. Don't say, well, you know, you, uh, no. I am not going to criticize Eugene because I can't lead singing. And I need him. <laughs> I need him. In the church, we can't do that. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying you do that or not. And nobody's told me anything. Um, what am I so suspect anymore you say something? I'll be preaching one time and had no idea to get back there and someone said, you been talking to my husband? No, but thanks for telling on yourself. Um, but love the brotherhood, man. You know, it would take us one minute to walk by somebody and encourage them. It would take me less than one minute to walk back and say, Derek, your testimony blessed me. I'm struggling the same way, brother. I'm going to pray for you. Less than 30 seconds. But you know what? We've got to get out of here because we've got to get to the, we got to get to the pole trough where everybody else goes so we can eat. Well, preacher, you don't know my metabolism. No, but I could venture to say that most of us could stand to miss a meal or two. Respect all people, love the brotherhood, fear God. Fear God. You know the Bible says that fearing God is the beginning of all knowledge and all wisdom. Fearing God. Back in the older days, people used to talk about a man who was a follower of Christ as a God-fearing man. Do you remember that term? How many of y'all remember that term? God-fearing man. We've lost our awe for God. Man, I'm sitting here this morning, and I, don't, I was an emotional wreck, and I have no idea why. Speaking the name of Jesus, and they got to that line about addiction, and I think about people I know that are bound in addiction. And guys, we, we need to have that sense of awe and reverence and respect for God. But when we come into His house, it's not about us. It's about God. It's about Jesus, and I think our worship team tried to lead us there this morning to say that it is about Jesus. And if we're going to live a Christ-honoring life, we have to fear God. And that means that when we make our decisions, we make our decisions based on fearing God. We fear God. What does God's Word say? What do I do? How many of us have made decisions and not consulted God? How many of us have made bad decisions and we hadn't consulted God and we wish we would have consulted God? Yes. Fear God. And number four, he says, respect 
the king. Now this is not the king, our king Jesus. He's talking about the, the ruler. Here we go. Whatever your opinion is about our president does not matter. He does not say respect the king as long as he is the same political affiliation and does what you do, want him to do. He doesn't say that. If I got the call to go to the White House today, I'd go. And I would wear a suit. And I would greet the president as Mr. President. Because God's word tells me to respect him. In my mind is a lot of things I'd like to say. But that's flesh. That's flesh. I've tried to, to teach my children not to be disrespectful to authority. All authority. I had a doctor who gave us the wisest. We were newlyweds. We've been married about a year. Kendall, Amy's pregnant with Kendall. Kendall's born and we have Dr. Harris in Barbersville, West Virginia. He was a godly doctor. He was a Christian man. He was very godly. And we were like, man, I don't even know what to do. I mean, I, 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 I don't know how to raise kids. I mean, I've I buried goats all over the hill. I mean, how am I going to raise kids? And uh, I remember him telling us clearly in that waiting, in that doctor's room, he said this, best thing you can do for your kids is teach them to respect you and respect authority. Because if they won't respect you when they're young, when they get older, they won't respect God. And I remember him telling me that. And I remember this. And we have tried to teach our kids how to respect authority. You don't, you don't call police officers pigs in derogatory terms. You don't need it, but I might need them one day. They put their life online. Yeah, there's some bad ones. There's bad everything. There's bad preachers. But we need to learn to respect authority. And we need to learn what the real issue is. The real issue is a spiritual battle. But listen, we've already sung about it. We've already won. It doesn't matter what happens in Israel. If you're saved, you're going to be just fine. You're on the winning side. Don't give your testimony away by spewing off your flesh. Nobody cares. Unless you hang around the same kind of people. They won't do that. Nobody cares. But I can tell you this. People will see that you are a respecter of all people. doesn't matter how rich, how poor, doesn't matter how they look or how they don't look, you respect them and you love your brothers and sisters in Christ and you fear God and you respect the king, the authority, the government, people's going to see something different in you. This is what we do in a hostile world. This will do more than picketing, rioting, anything. This will open up the door to share the glorious gospel. And when you share the gospel and someone is saved, there's another one that gets the victory.
But listen, to be able to respect all people, to love the brotherhood, fear God, and respect the king, you have to be willing to submit to authority. It's a prerequisite. You've got to be doing good. And you can't use your, your freedom in Christ as a cover to do evil. And we get so... We get so bent out of shape over things, guys. And, and listen, you can only be responsible for you. If you're right with God and someone is not right with God, and if you feel that they're not right with God and they vote like they're not right with God, well, God's going to take care of them. Do we think God's sitting up in heaven? Oh, I hope this party wins. Oh, I like what one preacher said. He's not concerned with an elephant or a donkey. He came riding in on one to be Lord over all of them. And I want to just talk to you for a moment about our lives. I just want to talk to you for a moment. Are we really trying to honor Christ in these last days. You see, we like to blame the society, but sin or sin, that's what they do. I'm more concerned about the church. We have won the battle. We're victorious. Because of Jesus Christ, we are, the Bible says, more than conquerors. And God says, this is the way we behave in these days. This is the way we do it. We respect all people. Do you know, even if that person's not redeemed, do you know that Jesus still died for that person? And he still loves that person? We, we have to come to the place in our lives where we want to love each other and encourage each other and support each other. Be there for each other. And I know that today's day, it's almost like it would be great if we could all just isolate ourselves and just be, you know, on our place and not deal with anybody, but you can't. Isolation will only take you further into depression. You need to be around God's people. You need to be around encouragers. You need to be an encourager. And we need to fear God. Part of fearing God is I don't dare start my day without spending some time with Him. I don't dare do some of the things I do because I fear God. And I know that the word fear means and all in respect, but it also means a holy terror. There's some things I don't want to do because I don't want God to whip me. I don't want to be chastised for doing that. There's some things I won't do because I don't want God's name to be drug into that. And I want to do better at respecting the authority. Guys, listen to me. This is real Christianity. We can stir it up, run around, shout, jump, holler, scream, thump the Bible, get the pulpit. 
bottom line is, are we obedient to God's Word? That's, that's the real test. Are we obedient to God's Word? It's right there. I didn't embellish anything. I didn't take anything out of it. I didn't change anything. I just told you what it was. And this is what we need more examples of. And guys, we can do it. We have Christ in us. We can do this. We can do this in Jesus' name. We can stand as the redeemed. We can be what He wants us to be. We can do what He wants us to do. And we can honor His name in this hostile world. But now listen to me. It won't happen until we go all the way back to the first prerequisite and submit to the supreme authority Jesus Christ. Until you and I totally, fully, wholly surrender ourselves to Him and His will for our lives, we'll never see all that God wants us to see. And I'm, I, 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 and I, I what a what a shame that would be to miss out on all that God's got for us. But it begins today. Am I willing to bring myself under submission to the Lord? And then all these things I will be able to do. I don't know where you are in your walk with your Lord. The Lord, I should say, not your Lord. I don't know where you are in your walk with Him. But today, I want you to know, you're never more than a prayer away from a thriving, abiding relationship with Him. That prayer of surrender where you say, Lord, it's not my will be done, your will be done. I'm willing to lay it down. Whatever it is, I'll lay it on the altar. I'll do what you want me to do. Even if it goes against my flesh, which it will go against my flesh, I want to do it for your name, for your great name. You might be in this room this morning and you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior. You don't have the assurance that if you were to die right now, you're not sure you'd go to heaven. I can tell you based on the scriptures, He wants you to know that you have eternal life. 1 John 1, 13. He wants you to know that you have eternal life. He wants you to know that. He wants you to think and hope and speculate. He wants you to know. And that eternal life only comes through faith. In Would you bow with me for prayer? heads are bowed and their eyes are closed.